Jeff, can you remember when you basically first started like what you would consider your first serious approach to like a nutrition program? Absolutely. So my first three, I was a very skinny kid growing up, uh, still skinny right now. You know? <laughs> uh, so I wanted to get big, obviously. Right. So I started doing five by five strength training programs and um, I wanted to get more into nutrition. I realized that one, I wasn't recovering properly and I was lifting way too heavy. Right. Um, so I, I bought this bodybuilding kind of template offline from this guy from Canada. I can't remember his name, but it was just all like breakfast oatmeal. You put the flaxseed in there and they're trying to have the healthy fats. And it was just very bland stuff. I ate so much food that I had, you know, distress in my gut wise. Like I wasn't eating that much protein. And I was, I think at the time I was doing like two grams per pound, you know, just something outrageous, uh, really bad distress in my gut. It took me a long time to kind of understand like, okay, you're overeating, you're pushing it. You don't have the enzymatic process to kind of digest all this and use it. Um, and I was just, uh, I was full all the time. I was bloated and I just didn't feel good. My joints were inflamed. Um, and it took me a while to realize that I wasn't really eating for one, my body and my goals. Um, and then the types of food as well. So being able to dial down like better meats, better health sources, all these things. And it took me like three years of this kind mm. of like slow and dude, my, not to be TMI, but you know, the, with all the protein and I was drinking protein shakes, mass gainers, mm. um, same very bad no one no one would probably want to sleep with me in yeah, bed yeah. overnight yeah, it's, it, uh, it, it creates a huge amount of gi distress yeah our body's just not built to do that and right? i was eating things like greek yogurt that weren't agreeing with me but you know oh greek yogurt's got protein and so i was just doing all of these things that were not agreeing with me and i was recognizing it but still like i'm trying to gain muscle bro like right. you know like trying but to the, get the calories in there's only so much information that was out at the time right this Whereas, was a while ago yeah. yes yeah so you have to kind of give yourself some credit there. You were kind of, you were, you were working with what you had. Exactly. Which was not a lot of the time. I mean, I think Jim Stepani was one of like the, the highest guys, which I mean, wow. Yeah, but that's a good point. I mean, you, you, you don't really know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so you, you try to latch on to certain things, but I don't think there's a shortage of information out there. It probably wasn't even then it was just, you were trying to use somebody else's guide or template. For sure. To, to get it done. We've all been there. I mean, Taylor, what about you? I mean, what was like your first, like, I guess, introduction into, oh, I really need to take this nutrition thing seriously. And uh, I need to have more of a programmed approach to this. What'd you do? Yeah. So um, for me, it was back in high school. Um, I was always super skinny in middle school and then puberty hit. And so then in high school by like sophomore year, it was a little, little chunky on the edges. Um, and my dad was like really into P90X at the time. And so there was one version of P90X that came with a nutrition program. And uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, but I'm um, <laughs> I want to learn more. So it was like talking about like how, you know, proteins are important. Nutrient dense foods are important. And so I, I was introduced to nutrition through nutrient density. And so anything that came out of a package, pretty much anything that was processed that had no nutritional value I should not have been eating. Mm -hmm. um, we had also cut out like breads and potatoes and, and starches and things like that. And we were eating honestly almost paleo at the time without it even being a thing yet. Okay. Um, so that was my first introduction. And, you know, the weight started to come off. My performance started to go up um, in sports and everything. And so that was kind of my first introduction to 
hey, when you put good in, you you get good out. Um, and so I was seeing pretty good results for a while, but I very, very quickly realized how unsustainable it was when I got to college. Yeah, those are the big takeaways, right? Like you, you see a result, like you may have even put on weight, Jeff, when you were doing that, but at I the did. same time, you feel like shit. It, it was horrible. Yeah, you feel like shit and you smell like shit is what you were alluding <laughs> oh, to. Right? Literally, too, <laughs> like, like, wow. Yeah. If you farted, it would stay there for like 30 minutes. Yeah, I You'd think, walk away, come back, like, oh my God. Like, look, I mean, that's a really good indication of what you're doing isn't working for your body very yeah. well. Like, I mean, while that is a very natural process, let's, I mean, it isn't TMI. And these are things that we talk about that you should be aware of both as a participant in whatever program you're doing or however you're approaching your nutrition, but also obviously as a coach, these are questions that we ask sometimes. Cause I'm at 1.2 right now. And I, you're fine. There's nothing. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you learned the hard way, the, about individuality and nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so that's for me, you know, in growing up, like there was never any shortage of healthy food around the house, right? Like my mom, my mom and my dad always encouraged us to make sure, you know, we ate our vegetables and we cleaned our plates and things like that. And, um, there was, it was always, it was, it was very healthy and it actually evolved over time. My mom got like more aware of putting, uh, healthier food on the plate as we started to grow, get, get older as kids. And, um, you know, there's never like, you know, I'm not eating that. My mom would make us fucking, you know, hot dogs and mac and cheese. If she had made like, you know, pork chops sure, and yeah, yeah. vegetables and whatever else. No, you're, this is what we're eating tonight. Like, and I think that's a thing like oh. that, that, that helped me in terms of instilling like, Hey, these are the foods that we should be eating. Also like this is meal time, And, uh, you know, you, you sit down at mealtime and you, you have these meals with your family and that's not, not everybody gets that. I feel really fortunate to have had that. And then also respect where the food is coming from. Um, and I don't want to get all into that, but I will say like, I had this like connection to food as a, as a kid, like I understood where, where it was coming from, but at the same time I was hungry, right. As a kid. So I would eat, like you put food in front of me, I was going to eat. There was never, it's never an issue. And as a result, I was a chunky kid. You know, I didn't start kind of growing out of the chunk till I got like into like, I don't know, I guess I was probably like four, 13, four, however old you are, about eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I started to finally kind of, you know, maybe start to turn into a man. You know, <laughs> I was like, a, I was definitely a late bloomer. But what that is the exact same time that my dad really introduced me to the weights. He was heavy into the weight and weight training when he was younger. And so, you know, I, just like you, Jeff, I was the kid that was turning into a man and I wanted to be jacked. Right. And dad had some muscle on him. And, you know, and I recognized at the time he'd been my dad my whole life, but, and I'd never really, yeah, but, but, at, the, but the other kids, my age would come over. They see me and I go, damn dude, dad's jacked. You know, like that's just my dad. Like, I don't, I don't know. But then it started to dawn on me like, well, I want to be jacked too. So I should be eating differently. Right. And what do I need to do? Well, I had every magazine known to man, including the, you know, every muscle and fiction magazine there was flex muscle and fitness like that thick. Oh dude. You know, there was the days of Bill Phillips that came along a little bit after that, but my dad even had old magazines and the bottom line was everybody was drinking protein shakes and Joe Weider was the dude. So yeah, I had like, this is what I did. This is my first introduction to trying to eat like a bodybuilder or whatever. I would start my day. This was my freshman year in high school. No shit. Blender, right? It's about two cups of milk, two scoops of ice cream, two scoops of Joe Weider's powder, which probably equated to somewhere around 50 grams of protein, full banana, like malted milk. So the milk, like malted milk powder. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the hell I was doing that. Wheat germ. Dude, I was 14 years old. Right. And by the time I was done, I had this like 32 or 40 ounce cup of gel sludge. And I would, my mom would drive me to school and I would just choke this shit down. So 
uh, and I would get there and guess what would happen about an hour later? Oh, I'd, be, I'd be like running for the bathroom <laughs> and just my gut would be distended and bloated and whatever else. But that's what I thought I needed to do. There was an upside to that though, and that I was involved in the weight training and that I was in a surplus and I was getting plenty of protein, albeit it wasn't the great, greatest way to do it. But I did learn like I, when you eat more and you eat more protein and you keep your carbohydrate up is I was playing football. I was wrestling. I was track and field. It was all that stuff. I was super active. I could, I was putting on muscle, right? And I was eating lunch. Mom was sending me with the bag lunch, you know, with yeah. again, those same foods that I just mentioned. So that was kind of my introduction to it. But I did get to a point in my life where I recognized like, I'm going to have to get more specific here if I want a specific result. And I, I did all the research I thought I could do. Um, and I ultimately hired a coach. That's when things changed. Uh, and this was a bodybuilder. So things were a little bit more biased. But I finally hired a coach and that changed my life. And quite frankly, it's the thing that led me to where I am now in the industry because of the impact that she had on me and the uh, the the immediate change that I, that I saw. But it was a it was a real wild like, no, this is what those guys are doing. I forced myself to be miserable constantly, much like you did, yeah. Jeff, because this is what everybody told me I was supposed to do. Right. This is what the magazine said. This is way before the interwebs, man. Yeah. So like every month you just wait, you knew when that new magazine hit the hit the stand down at the 7-Eleven, you were down like, like, what's this dude doing now? Oh, well, that's how I need to eat. Yep. Right. And that's what that's what it did. And you know what? I don't think that's too different for a lot of people now. Yeah, I feel like everybody's first like initial introduction to nutrition is always a little bit messy. Yeah. And and so, you know, with that messiness comes some experience and the experiences are valuable. For sure. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. We're going to start this episode by asking you to take a look back in time. Back at a time where you attempted to diet, maybe it was a contest, maybe it was a challenge, it was like a bet between buddies. Maybe you've not done any of those things before, but you know somebody that has. And we know tons of people that have. And I guess what I find wild is how much people are willing to suffer in order to achieve some type of dietary success, which is often an attempt to find some type of a physical result. I brought in Taylor and Jeff today, and we're going to talk about some of those things. But more specifically, we're going to be talking about how to do the first 30 days of any nutrition program right. And anytime we talk nutrition, we're going to be talking a little bit of fitness, too. So that's going to get uncovered here. What you're going to hear us refer to is our Fuel University program and some of the material that we've pulled out of that program to share with you on the podcast today. So what Fuel U is, is it's a program that we put together for people that maybe want more of a uh, kind of self-guided approach to finding their own formula for success. So it's designed to help people discover that formula using a structured and easy to follow format. And we've done that kind of using two basic components. We provide video presentations that include some tutorials where people can hear and hear from the team and get some different information. And then we also provide a fuel you student workbook, which includes some informational reading, but more importantly, it has some detailed practical exercises that we reference in the videos. And the reason I'm bringing that up is we're going to talk through some of the nuance and the detail to help you walk away from this podcast today and maybe maybe take a little bit of a, a different approach to what it is you're currently doing or enhance the approach that you're already taking. 
So at the end, you'll have an opportunity to um, to find out a little bit more about Fuel You. So it's suitable for women and men with all levels of nutrition and fitness experience. And it's really for anybody who wants to leverage their dietary efforts alongside their fitness routine. Again, there is no one size fits all. So if you want to learn how to better navigate through your own personal journey and how to the important subjects of what we'll, we'll call history, math, science, and psychology, how those can impact your present and future results, just head over to rdffuelu.com after this episode, rdffuelu.com to find out all about our Fuel You program. And you can get 20% off that program by entering the code FUELU20. Again, that's FUELU20 at checkout. Welcome back to the Iron Sights Podcast. I'm here with two of my besties, Jeff Cheneau, hey. Taylor Noriega. What's up? What's up? Good to have you guys back in the studio. Uh, today is going to be centered around nutrition and dietary success. Uh, it's a common topic. You know, people want to hear about it. But for us, this is a real passion of ours. Obviously, the fitness business, all the things that would be we'd be remiss if we weren't having nutrition and lifestyle conversations with our clients when they come to us and want to learn how to lift weights and exercise and all that kind of stuff. So it just, it's just, uh, it's obvious, but at the same time um, we've had our combined experience here goes is decades, you know, combined uh, amount of experience here with all different types of clients in all different types of settings, everything from the person that's never addressed their nutrition or lifestyle at all to the highly trained athletes and everything in between. But the reality of it is most of the people that we deal with on a daily basis are people that are just trying to look, feel better and, um, and live better than their current situation. And they're, they're trying to find a formula for themselves. Um, and so I wanted to have you guys in here today so that we could talk through some of these formulas because people have, by the time they get to us, they've, they've been through maybe some kind of cookie cutter formula, like some templated program or whatnot. And I mean, my experience with that is, is it works until it doesn't. Yep. Yeah. So here's the deal. Uh, you know, here we have a couple of different ways that people can sort of get nutrition knowledge from us, you know, as a, as a company. Um, and most of the time that that happens either through people doing their self research, right? Like people get their information by, well, I don't know, whatever the Google, Instagram, YouTube, yep. whatever else. And there's a lot of good shit out there. Um, but it doesn't speak specifically to them, right? It, it speaks about, you know, there's, there's a context missing to how does this impact me as an individual? The answers are all out there. It's just, how do you apply it to yourself? Yeah. That's what's not. Right. It's, it's, it, it is all very individual. And I've said this before on the show. And that is if, if exercise programming is individual, right. And, and it is right. Absolutely. Depending on your goal, depending on your history, depending on your ability, your fitness level capacity, all of those things, then take nutrition with regard to the individuality principle and 10 exit. Yep. It's that much more individual for a lot of reasons. And we're going to cut into some of those today, but at the end of the day, what we found is most people in their first 30 days of their program is super, it's super critical time. And we own, doesn't matter where they're coming from, right? What their goals are. We end up spending this first 30 days going through some, almost always the same concepts. It's just specific to the individual. And so whether that's in our one-on-one -on -one program or in our, uh, our self-guided uh, nutrition uh, success and education program that we have online called Fuel You, they're getting this, they basically get the same information. So we've tried to put this all together and we want to talk through that a little bit today and give some people some context, but also 
some takeaways, whether they're into the programs or not, by the time they're done listening to this podcast today, they're going to have sort of the big rocks to walk away from this with and start to apply things that can start making impact right now in the next 10 minutes, right after this thing is, is over and beyond. And then they'll have resources to go to if they want more information from us um, or, you know, have questions for us. They can always reach out to us, but we obviously have those programs available. Taylor, give us an example of the last like consult you had and what a person sort of came to you with in terms of what their goals were, what their challenges were, maybe what their history was. Um, I have to say, so my last consultation was actually with a vegetarian. Um, and those ones uh, can be a little bit more straightforward where it's very, very common that, you know, they're eating a lot of carbs, probably not enough protein. That's it depends. Right. So that's why we kind of go through like the day of eating. Um, and her goal was really just to, you know, be healthy. You know, she felt she felt pretty bogged down at the end of all of her workouts. She's like she wanted to feel more energetic. Um, obviously, there's that weight loss goal, but she knew, um, you know, I need to be feeling better in my activity before I can start losing weight. So it was a good thing. She kind of came in with that awareness. Um, a lot of people don't care. You know, they kind of come in and like they don't really pay attention to how they feel during their workouts. They're they're just focused on I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing weight. I'm mm-hmm. not losing weight. Um, so that was my most recent consultation. This girl had more of a health and wellness goal, but a long-term weight loss goal, but she knew that there were like little things in her diet that needed to be adjusted. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned it like that earlier, that the information is out there for people and people are coming to us more and more, let's just say informed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say educated because I think that's, that's too big of a statement, but they're coming to us more and more informed about the things they maybe should or shouldn't be doing. A lot of times they're just confused and they don't have a depth of knowledge or again, the context to be able to pull out the pieces that make the most sense for them. But this is a good thing. Still, it's a good thing for us as coaches, because what we find are people are fired up about their, their fitness and they're reading and they're researching and they're at least connected to something, right? We used to be as coaches, if I go back 15 years, mm-hmm. right? We were information givers. Yep. All the information we were giving people was like brand new information to them. Like God's. Yeah, it was like, dude, this dude, like, you know, like he knows everything, right? And of course he does, you know, look at him, you know, or whatever. That was just kind of the thing. And then, you know, the information technology started to evolve. We've got, you know, again, YouTubes and Instagrams and the the interwebs and whatever else. And so it was way more available to people, but it also created this space. It was just got ridiculous. Like anybody could get on and be an expert in anything. It could be a dumpster fire. Oh, total dumpster. <laughs> Misinformation sometimes. And, and and to the extent where I think now the industry in and of itself is started to police a little bit of that. And so have the consumers yeah. to where it's getting cleaned up. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, still the point of that is, is there's all this information out there. And now rather than being givers, now we have to be interpreters. We have to understand what it is that our, our potential client or, you know, our consumer has has learned about or tried or been involved in or is indoctrinated into, I'll just go ahead and say it, and, and a lot of other things so that we can we can start to connect with them at a better level. You know, like, oh, I read that too. Or I, I'm very familiar with this with this particular philosophy. Um, let me understand how you've been utilizing that in your life. So that way I can be uh, more of a coach for you rather than a director mm-hmm. because we're not trying to change people's you know, complete outlook on everything that is they're doing in their life. What we're trying to do is try to make more sense for them so that they can make better decisions. Yes. Like looking at them where they are now 
their history. So how they got to where they are now versus where they want to be. And so all of those aspects kind of come together in, again, directing them, coaching them in the direction of where they want to be ultimately. Yeah. So I, the first 30 days, what I, which is what I mentioned at the beginning, and you just said the word is the history piece. So if, if I had to take the first 30 days of my coaching, I break it up, uh, you know, we've broken it up here at Red Dot into kind of four weeks of, hey, everybody's an individual, but at the same same time, there are some fundamental things people all need to be aware of. It'd be the same as entering in an exercise program, mm-hmm. right? You have to build a little bit of capacity, right? You have to build a little bit of body awareness, proprioception, little strength, little endurance, all these things start to build on one another. And then you have a platform to really kind of do the sexy stuff. Right. Like the, the, the cooler exercises and all the, the ones on Instagram, Yeah, all the shit you see on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. so we have to set, set this foundation and we do that in week one, we call that history week, mm-hmm. right. Where we sit and we really go through uh, like what Jeff referred to is like an intake process. Mm-hmm. So whether that's an intake process between a client and a coach, or it's a self-assessment by the, by a potential consumer on their own, Bottom line is it's really important to go through and understand what your diet and exercise history is look like, what your health history is look like. Sometimes family history mm. certainly mm-hmm. plays a, plays a role there, but looking at the past before we start jumping into the now or even the future. So getting this, getting this kind of this understanding of, of where I am and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that Taylor. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that because I think most people would think, Oh yeah. So what you want is like, how many diets have I been on? When was it my thinnest? When, when I got the fattest? When I was in the best shape of my life? These are the typical questions, right? Yeah. But we have a whole other form of questions in the very beginning. You know, I send them our, our what's been eating you form. Um, and that kind of goes more into, honestly, the psychology and the history of, of why. Why isn't this happening for you? Um, and I think it ends up asking them a lot of questions that they haven't asked themselves before in the past. Um, and which I, I think is good for people to dig a little bit deeper. It's not just, okay, what have I done? Where have you mentally been? Where like mentally, psychologically, like what is your history there too? Because that's also the thing that's going to be preventing you from hitting the goals that you've always wanted to be hitting, right? That's yep. why they're coming to me because they can't seem to get to these goals that they want. Um, so the history form does a really, really good job of just kind of helping them dig a little deeper. And it gives me a chance as a coach to learn more about them as a client. Yeah, and some people are really good at doing this on their own. They can sit back and kind of reflect and, you know, they, they may journal or just be introspective about the bigger picture. But, you know, I, I don't know if it was off or it was, it was when we were talking now, you, but if you're coming in, if you're one of these people that's just coming, it's like weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And you're feeling this like pressure. There's there's it's blinding. It's completely blinding. And it's just like, just tell me what I have to do. Tell me how many calories I should eat. Tell me what supplements I should take. Tell me, tell me how much or how little exercise I have to do. And I find that that is something we have to immediately like get them to kind of snap out of. I'll call that kind of shaking their state, if you will, just kind of give them (laughs) rattle their cage a little bit with asking them to ask themselves. And then if you're obviously in the coaching situation, share what those some what some of those things are. Can you give some examples of like some of the things we're asking people to reflect on? Again, you know, when when were they successful in the past and why did that work? Okay. Um, you know, why are you now in the state that you're in now? 
very often they've regained that weight. You know, they're not they've they've either either plateaued or the weight has come back. Okay, why did that happen? Do you know why? And more often than not, it's when they're in that mindset of like constantly being on program, off program, then that's exactly it. There's always an off program. So if you don't if you kind of let go of that mentality of like, okay, I'm going to be on program and I'm going to be really good, then there's no such thing as an off program and you don't fall off. And that's kind of where some of that mental um where some of the mental exercises and habit habit creation comes in. Yeah, it's a little bit of gymnastics there at the beginning well, for people. Off season is still scheduled, right? Right, right? I mean, we still you might have an off season, but what are we doing there? I might be upping your fats if you're an athlete, like what's going on, right? We're looking at you as an individual and that off season doesn't mean, hey, I'm just eating whatever I want. Right. We're just getting more specific in trading, switching out macros maybe you know, adding more protein, whatever. Planning for a certain event, a certain exactly. period of time yeah. where you may not have as much control or as much variety within your diet. But to the average person that comes in off program is, oh, I can go back to doing what I want. It's exactly. either on the bus it's, or yeah. off. It's yeah. either it's, you've completely what they call mm-hmm. the wagon. Yeah. You're yes. either totally off the wagon or you're on the wagon. I hate that And it's term. usually going mm-hmm. from like diet back to excess, right? Like they're either going from, hey, I'm like, I'm in a deficit and it's usually a pretty crazy one to where, now I'm binging out and they're like completely opposite. So a thousand calories negative in their deficit going back to a thousand plus, right? Which would, after metabolic adaption would be 2000 in excess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. more often than not, it's right before a vacation. Yeah. So these are things that I think probably people can wrap their head around now. They may even be listening to this going, oh shit, that's totally me. Like, you know, the holidays come, I put on 10 pounds and then I spend the next three months you know, over exercising and trying to figure it all out again and whatever. We can talk about that because that speaks basically by laying this foundation of where you've been, like in the, the exercise is called what's been eating you, not what have you been eating? That that, this is going to be obvious questions. We're going to be doing that, but it's not quite time yet. Let's talk about what is it that's kept you from ultimately reaching your success. And it's not only, it's not always that they're just on or off the wagon, but 99% of the time, consistency is the major player in whether or not they're having any kind of success there. Success is defined many different ways. I want to be clear about that. We're not saying this is a weight loss program, Mm -hmm. right? However, um, it's probably safe to say that most people want to lose a little bit of body fat, right? So we could call it somewhat of a fat loss. uh, There's some fat loss stuff that goes goes into it, excuse me. But at the same time, like, is that appropriate right now? Mm -hmm. And this, and this history, this week of history kind of understanding and then setting up for the next piece is, is super important because then now we can start making some informed decisions about maybe what I should or shouldn't be doing as the weeks go on. Uh, again, a lot of people come in, they got this high level of motivation, which I applaud, you know, like I'm ready to do it this time. I'm really going to do it this time. Like, Yeah, I love that. I love that. But let's pump the brakes, right? I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but let's pump the brakes because I got got a lot of questions or you should be asking a lot of questions right now before you jump in from the frying pan into the fire and go through your whole unsuccessful process again. Mm -hmm. So we're asking people to really take more than two steps back, maybe three, five, six, 10 steps back to go, all right, let me put all this out in front of me. And then the, the bigger parts of this and, you know, you alluded to this uh, when we were talking earlier, Taylor, is the importance of that when things you do seem to be getting off the rails, right? Because you have all this in front of you now. And as you maybe don't have the bandwidth to kind of deal with whatever's life thrown through thrown at you and you're you're tired and you're not motivated and you haven't seen continued progress, you can go back to your baseline mm-hmm. and where you where you originally started. And oftentimes it'll kind of put you right back on track. Yeah. 
So we've gone through kind of history and it's uh, people I don't think really spend enough time there. But then, well, I think what they, where they do the next thing though, is they jump, they want to jump right into what we would call week two. Again, feel you, feel university. Um, we spend some time looking at and talking about the math. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know, Taylor, maybe you want to expand on that. Yeah, no, you're right. So people kind of want to jump right into that. But I think what the most important part about Fuel U is the fact that it's an education program first and foremost. So yeah, a lot of people will walk in being like weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, but they'll have been they'll have gone through this vicious cycle over and over and over again, not truly understanding why, why is this such a vicious cycle? Why am I always back where I started or even worse from where I started? So the fact that it's an education program first and foremost, just kind of teaches them that yes, we can get you to weight loss if that's your goal. But in the meantime, this is what's going to set you up for long-term success so that we don't just crash diet you and then you're in a deeper hole than you were before, you know, we set you up so that a, you know, what's going on with your body um, and you can carry this on long-term for the rest of your life. And so that's kind of where the history piece is super important because they learn a bit about themselves and then we can step into the math and then we can step into, okay, this is your calculated maintenance, right? So for your body type and your activity level, this is what you should be eating. And more often than not, I get raised eyebrows. I get people being like, I'm sorry, what? How much? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's same, a lot. I came here to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And same thing with the protein too. They're like, you're kidding. Right. Like, no, 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 no. This is like times two. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I think that's, that's really important that we, we talk about that right there because you're right. I mean, I, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And the first thing people look at is like, wow, that's a lot of food or that's a lot of protein. And I go as compared to what? As compared to what? As what compared to what doing. you're you've what been doing, doing, which makes that history part so important because then you can refer back to, well, how's that been working for you? You know, mm-hmm. like you you just wrote down or you just, you know, told me or you've just journaled or whatever it is that you're doing in your own process that this hasn't been working for you. And you want a solution, right? And I want to help you with that solution. And part of the solution is understanding the reasons why. So we start with kind of internally in your history. And that helps me as a coach connect with you on how to have these conversations about the math, right? Because giving somebody a caloric prescription is not coaching. It's not at all. That's not coaching. You can, you can do that on your own. And we've provided, we provide the formulas for you to do that on your own. That really, it isn't that hard, mm-hmm. right? To kind of do some math. And again, there is no perfect number. So if that's what you're looking for anyways, like you're never going to find that. But the, po- the point of it is, is to understand why, when you see that number, not to be alarmed, how mm-hmm. it makes sense going back yeah. to education. Yeah. And then even, you know, yes, that's a calculated number for you, but is that the state your metabolism is in right now mm. for that to be your maintenance? And so then that's the educational piece of week two is teaching them about metabolic adaptation. And that's kind of um, a really big moment for people uh, because, again, it goes back to the vicious cycle. They don't understand why they're in this vicious cycle. Learning about metabolic adaptation the first light bulb click like clicks on. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's define metabolic adaptation. Cause again, I think it's very, it can be very confusing, but at the same time, like we see people going back to the, when we were information givers before, when they yeah. hear this stuff and they start to look at their history and whatever, they look at us like, Oh my God, you're so right about this. This makes perfect sense. Education mm-hmm. drives compliance. Right. Yeah, it, Generally speaking, yes, uh, unless that person just doesn't want to be helped anymore. But they're not ready. (laughs) They're just not ready. Right. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about what is metabolic adaptation. So, uh, you know, again, people are coming in like we're, we're, we're trying to find these numbers. Let's talk about metabolic adaptation and why it's a good thing Mm -hmm. and then how it 
is negatively impacting people. And why the history and taking that intake form of talk about eating it. is. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's a, it's, it's a survival mechanism. If your body followed calories in calories out to a T people would waste away in months. That's kind of how I, how I describe it to people. Um, and so like, you know, let's say your maintenance is supposed to be upwards of 1800, but you've been eating 1300 a day. Your body's going to figure out a way to live off of 1300 a day. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of stuff that happens internally. Like we could really get into the science of it um, as to how your metabolism ends up down regulating that much. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, usually at the cost of muscle mass. But I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's it's a survival mechanism. Your body kind of has to go through this process so that you're not you don't die at twelve hundred calories. Yeah. And it's so you just said a couple of numbers there and those are very common numbers, right? I mean, when you, when we're, when we're working with, and I'm just, I'll say it like, I'll get in all kinds of populations, but you're working with, let's say the female population. Uh, and you tell them they should, they need to be, we need to start ramping your calories up closer to 1800 calories a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're currently eating 1100 calories a day. They're freaking out. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's like this, a visceral emotional reaction to, Oh my God. Cause it's counterintuitive to everything that they they've learned or they know more calories means I'm going to gain, gain weight. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the term downregulation. So metabolic adaptation being your body will adapt to the demands, right. And the energy system or the, the energy system will, sorry, will adapt to the demands that you're putting on it. And so there's all kinds of things that go into energy systems. So we can talk about, the beta oxidative system. We like can your metabolism about. is literally every chemical equation going on in your body. And we don't know what processes right. it stops. That's right. the issue. Too. It, it is mm -hmm. so complex. At the same time, we don't have to overcomplicate this. What we do, what we, what we do know we can have really great success with is getting people up to what you've referred to as maintenance calories, right? Over time. And that's mm -hmm. not something that can happen overnight. So, um, it, if you've, you've said it before, Taylor, yeah. like you're supposed to be at 18 or you should be around the 1800 number. It's not an absolute number again, but you're currently eating 1100. We need to get 800 more calories a day mm -hmm. into your routine, but you're not doing that. So you trying to do that today and tomorrow is going to be absolutely miserable. Digestive problems all over the place. <laughs> Amongst other things, right? Yeah. You're going to hate, you're going to hate eating. Yeah. You're going to hate you, the coach, mm -hmm. right? You're going to hate the coach for making you do this. And it's going to sound body very, very, composition also oh. doesn't do good things when you try to do it that fast. This is 90% of people that I come in contact with and whether either men as well, the people that are men that are into lifting, usually under eating and the women are always under eating oh. and need a reverse diet yeah. mm -hmm. in my, in my personal practice. Oh, almost, oh, yeah. almost always, almost always under eating. And again, it's, let's say they're undernourished and underfed, right? It's not every day, but it's most days it calculates out they're from average. an average perspective that they're over, but they're doing things throughout the week, right? Like they get to the weekends, they become social or whatever else. And they're, they're having one or two days a week where they're way over, mm -hmm. right? And there is no consistency to the intake and, or the expenditure that's going on. There may not be in a regular exercise program, right? So they're not Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but, sure. but there, there's just these huge like peaks and valleys within the expenditure piece and mm -hmm. the intake piece and your body, you know, at the body at a, in, in a sense is how it's going to have a really rough time with that in terms of figuring out exactly where you need to be. So it's going to try to find where it's comfortable. And oftentimes that just means a downregulation of, of everything. Well, of a lot of mm -hmm. things, which can mean an upregulation of other things, which could be negative. And we start good point. talking about hormones and mm -hmm. stress from a stress perspective, which mm -hmm. we'll get into, but 
Yeah. Uh, again, so it's not just about, you know, a number and finding a number. The coaching comes in is like, okay, how do we get you to this in your current lifestyle? And there's, there's ways for people to figure this out for themselves, right? If they walk through the process of doing it rather than just go, I have to get here. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, for like, sure. I yeah. mean, you can totally tell, like, for instance, if you wanted to have someone binge on the weekends and they wanted to lose weight and you were able to tally out all of that, they might have to fast on Monday. They might have to, you know, restrict eating on Tuesday, but you could get to a point where that person could lose weight, right? It's just all about mm-hmm. being aware of what's the average weekly and how do we get to that goal. Right. right? And, and coaching mm-hmm. somebody how to be aware of it and providing them some tools and some resources in how they might be able to do that effectively for them in their current lifestyle, taking a lot of things into account. Cause you're going to have to handheld that person for a while. They're going to have a little bit of pushback, right? You're going to gain weight. Like sometimes it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay mm-hmm. Right. And again, some people lose weight. Some people, as they start going up, it's like, dude, the body's just loving it. Well, yep. here's, here's, yep. here's what's going to happen. One of three things is going to happen, right? When you start to go into this process of coming out of this metabolic adaptation and um, we'll, we'll talk about it. There's kind of two ways you can come out of it. Right. So, and this is where, when we start talking to numbers to people and like, you got to go from 11 to 18, how do you do that? Um, reverse diet. I mean, recovery or reverse diet based on, um, you know, the person, history. the history, things like that. Um, typically I get people who have been under eating for years or who have been crash dieting for years, you know, in that vicious cycle. Um, so I mean, it's, it's going to take upwards of, of 12 or more weeks on average, depending on how far under you're eating, um, and how long it takes you to get back up because it's, it's not going to be, um, a solid, okay, it's going to be 12 weeks for us to get there. That's it. Like I can't, I can't say that, you know, for certain, um, there's always a little bit of experimentation that goes on in the beginning, but typically if you're doing a reverse diet, you know, your metabolism has downregulated, it adapted downwards, it can adapt back upwards as well. So I just want to, I want to add a, a specific to the reverse diet process. And this is for somebody that's been basically under eating for months to years. This is not like weeks. This is somebody that's been months to years has been doing this and their body has downregulated their metabolism or some of their hormonal responses and whatnot over a very long period of time. So we'll call this a reverse diet and then we need to spend time. And you just called out about 12 weeks at, at least to start to build, to climb out of this hole that they've created for themselves. Right. That's a tough time. That is, that can be a very tough time. You, 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 you really have to embrace the process that you're going through and it, the, the, especially the first couple of weeks in uh, really having sort of a support system uh, to help you through, like, am I doing the right thing? Cause you're going to wake up every day and you're going to wonder if you're doing the right thing when it's not going well. And guess what? Mm-hmm. There's a reality in all of this 100% of the time things it's going to happen where things don't go well. Yeah. Like it, it, that's just part of the process. It's life. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so it's you're going to be failures everywhere. You're going to run into these things. Yeah. It's how do you learn from those? What, what, why did I fail? Learning the individual as well too. Yeah. And so yes. going back to the beginning, like connecting with yourself is important, but connecting with the coach can be uber important because now they can be there not to do it for you, but mm-hmm. to guide you and be, you know, more of a support system. And then maybe yeah. help you find other people or other things to support you in your process. So again, reverse diet takes some time. We're talking about adding in what over a three to like a, sorry, uh, like a 12 week period. How do we reverse diet? Yeah. So typically, um, I will add about a hundred to 150 calories every two weeks, but 
only if that client is being consistent. Because uh, if you're not being consistent and you're not hitting the numbers, I'm not going to increase you by another hundred over the next two weeks. So they kind of have to prove to me that they're really putting the time and the effort in to be consistent about most importantly, calories and protein. Um, carbs and fats do still play a role, but most importantly, being as consistent as possible with your calories and protein. Mm-hmm. Every two weeks, we can increase you to about 100 to 150. That's like 100 150 a day within yes. their daily intake, right? Yeah. Not over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. So that would take forever and you probably wouldn't get a good response. But yeah. to be clear, we're talking about like 100. And we're also trying to minimize weight gain, right? That's another p- important piece. Yes. Right? Yeah. Y- yeah. So uh, again, this gives us a little bit more uh, control uh, with regard to uh, titrating up mm-hmm. versus having to went a little big exactly. at the beginning, a little, little big at the beginning. We have to titrate back. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody's in the right frame of mind to do this though. Yeah. <laughs> I do have, I do have some clients where every, every check-in is the same pep talk over and over again. Long-term, this is going to get you to where you want to be and you'll sustain it rather than, Hey, let's just crash diet you now. And then we're going to have to reverse diet anyways. Later, you're just making that reverse diet a longer process if we crash diet you now, rather than reversing you, getting you to maintenance, you know, essentially preparing your body for the deficit so that it can efficiently lose fat mass on a deficit. Um, and it's the same pep top pep, pep talk every single time, um, just to keep them on track and to keep them going. And once they kind of start seeing, seeing more of the fruits of their labor over the course of the program is kind of when those pep talks start to come down a little bit, but there Mm -hmm. is a lot of like encouragement, just keep going, keep pushing. You're doing great. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's going to pay off in the long run. So things to, to be aware of when you're going through this process, and that is, you know, what are the things, cause you're not seeing a weight loss on the scale necessarily, right? What, what are the things that are, that a person can expect through this reverse diet process to be seeing and feeling like tangibly or intangibly? What are, what are some of the things that, that they could hang their hat on and go, this is, we're moving in the right direction. Like I should Mm -hmm. feel good about this, but they're not aware of it. Yeah. So fluctuations for sure. There's going to be fluctuations in your weight. Um, but I mean, I think the best part is, is that, you know, if done properly and if really, and if done taken easy and slowly, we do see an increase in muscle mass for a lot of people. Um, and even body recomposition as a whole, I can say that a majority of my reverse diet clients see an increase in muscle mass and a decrease in fat mass. And so that comes with a plateau in weight or like a small increase, a little bit of fluctuation. It's kind of all over the place, but, uh, that's why we take body compositions every four weeks. So we can make sure, okay, cool. You know, muscle mass, like, isn't deep, you know what I mean? Muscle mass and fat mass are, are where we want them to be, but more often than not, we do see recomp. Very right. Important. So, mm-hmm. right. And, there, and, and that is it's important hard to feel that little change in yourself, right? You're like, look in the mirror. I look the same. Yeah. There's, so there's a couple of things people need to be aware of one. And then there's some biofeedback mechanisms uh, that we'll talk about when we get into the science section. Um, but I just want to touch on those now that people should be aware of as they're going through this process. One, there's one of three things that's going to happen when you reverse diet. It, it, this is just the way it is. One, you're going to immediately start feeling better. You're going to lose a little body fat, maybe a little weight mm-hmm. and a little, little body fat. You're going to have a little bit more energy and a little bit more uh, steam in your workouts. Yep. You're going to be sleeping a little bit better. Uh, maybe feel a little bit more spring on your feet. You're going to just feel it. And people are going to start saying stuff to you, man, you, you know, you look great. You're glowing, right? You can see it in your eyes, those kind of things. That's fucking real. And I see, and I see that happen a lot. It, it doesn't happen for everybody, but that happens a lot. The other thing that's going to happen is you're not going to change at all on the scale. Nothing's going to change on the scale, right? I also don't want you to weigh. However, 
you're starting to see your body take change maybe a little bit, right? So you're, you're seeing this, this uh, sorry, the recomping happen, but it might not be totally apparent to you. Like the waist is getting a little bit smaller, right? Like you're starting to maybe drop a little bit of that excess water that you may have been carrying based on the foods that you were eating or not eating. You're drinking maybe a little bit more water, which is pushing water. You're doing that. So you're starting to see that stuff. Maybe you're losing a little, little body fat and getting a little muscle and it's evening out, netting out on the scale, right? But if you're doing the reverse diet pro- properly, uh, oftentimes, I'm feeling a little bit better. My workouts are a little bit better. I'm sleeping a little bit better. Like I have a little bit more drive. Like people are seeing it on my face. Hey, you look great. There's a little bit more pep in my step. Again, same thing. My favorite is when they're working with a personal trainer and that trainer comes to me and is like, they just PR'd like last week or something or like their performance is insane. And you know, it's like night and day. It's, it's really cool. I just had that. And I'll share that with you in in a minute. Last weekend I was in here and I had a conversation with the client before I do that. The third, the third one is going to be, they're going to gain some weight. Right. And it's not going to be the positive weight loss on the scale immediately as we're reversing out of this metabolic adaptation or trying to change the adaptation. We're trying to adapt effectively in a different way. Adaptation is good. Yeah. We just need to adapt in the right kind of it way. It sounds like we're talking about it it's negatively, negative. but like when the yeah. coach understands it, we use it to our benefit. Yes. Right. right. Once you adapt down, well, guess what? I'm going to bring you back up, get you back to that maintenance. And we're going to cut right back down. Right. So I'm able to stay within that 300 to 500 range. I don't have to keep going down to a thousand, fifteen hundred. Right. 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 So you're you're maybe gaining some weight, but again, you're feeling better. Like your workouts are going a little bit better. You're gaining some strength. You get a little bit more endurance. You're sleeping better. Those biofeedback mechanisms are starting to show up for you. The weight loss just isn't happening. And there's these are the three things effectively that are going to happen for you during that time. If you're if you're really being consistent and doing your best to problem solve with your coach or on your own, that's what you can expect. This is going to be different, but similar to somebody that has not been under eating or under feeding for months to years and super down regulated. They've been doing it maybe for a shorter period of time, maybe weeks. Let's call it two to six or maybe maybe as long as 12 weeks. If you've got somebody that's maybe in like a competitive uh, sport or um, they, they do like bodybuilding or figure shows or something like that to where they do take themselves into a deficit. When you do that, things are going to downregulate. Your body's going to metabolically adapt. And at the end of that, though, we, we would refer to that more as a recovery diet rather than a reverse diet. So I think it's important to define those two, right? Reverse diet is somebody that we are having to kind of reset the entire system, which could take months to more than a year. It could take mm-hmm. years, you know, for some people. Generally speaking, if they can be consistent for three months, we've seen some amazing results, yeah. right? And they're totally and they're more than happy with those and they get it uh the rest of the journey is can be can is might be different but that first three months are really getting it in the recovery diet it's something that has a lot more awareness of exactly what they did and how they did it um in terms of to uh, in terms of uh the cal- the caloric deficit they sure. put themselves in it may have been a little bit more organized uh they knew exactly what they were doing with their macro macro and micronutrients what they were doing with their exercise and they can they can formulate a plan that almost is a little bit more linear and they can see it happening in front of them versus the person that's reverse dieting where it isn't it, the vision isn't so clear. It was all in the dark before. And so now we're trying to clear up the vision right. moving forward. So somebody trying to apply a recovery diet that is almost templated, 
right? To some extent. You're basically reversing back to exact steps that you came down on your cut. You're like, okay, I did two, 200 calories minus here. I'm going to literally the next week, two plus, two yep. plus, I'm going to work mm-hmm. back to my maintenance from my cut. But it, that it isn't, can be a faster process. Than it can reverse. be a much yeah. faster process. And generally those people are not going to put on body fat as quickly, right? And that, and that because their body is almost primed, yep. right? To now put that muscle back on because I'm, I'm moving into a surplus, yeah. you know, and my, mm-hmm. the body's just kind of soaking it yeah. up. It's maybe a great they, time. Yeah, maybe they had planned diet breaks and things like that to preserve the metabolism in the meantime while they're in that deficit phase. Whereas somebody who's just been under eating all their life, there's no preservation. There was nothing. There was nothing there. So the the, the recovery diet could be a little bit of a faster process, which doesn't yield as much maybe body fat uh, recomposition uh, as the recovery diet does. And I think it's important for people to understand that because, again, they're very informed. They're hearing all these things out there. That is not appropriate for you. That recovery diet is not appropriate for you if you've been this person that has been on the diet train for months to years and still is not eating at maintenance or hasn't been doing that for a very, very long time. So I think that's important. Um, All the biofeedback stuff, by the way, on the recovery diet tends to show up very quickly. People immediately start feeling better and they know like, God, I was just waiting for this. Now, imagine and I'm just, so I'm flash forward a little bit. Imagine if you were a person, you're not a competitive bodybuilder, right? You're not a competitive athlete, but you thought about ahead of time, right? And planned for the diet breaks that you just mentioned and this deficit period that you were going to go through and knew on the backside of that, there could be some recovery time to come back out where you could eat up. I'm just going to kind of leave that on the table because we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this other part of the conversation, which we call periodization. But as we're into the, this recovery diet and metabolic adaptation, so important for people to get that and understand that even more important that they have tools to deal with the process and understand that this is a process Mm -hmm. that you, you have to, you have to embrace it. Right. So the, the understanding what's going on in your body during this time is really important. I think, because this goes back to the education drives compliance Mm -hmm. uh, piece that, that Jeff was mentioning, you got to understand that what is happening, right? And it's just your body's having to kind of switch back on and come back to life in a sense and learn how to do things differently. And if you want to make change, you're going to have to do things differently. It's the bottom line. And your body will have to learn that uh, along the way. And it's one thing for me to tell them like, hey, when we reverse diet, you know, these are the three things that are going to happen to you versus when it does start happening for them. That's kind of when the next light bulb clicks on for them and they really start to trust the process. Um, and then things really start happening and it goes a little, a little smoother after that, especially for the ones that need the pep talk in the very beginning. Um, but yeah, the education drives compliance and then the progress drives compliance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, ways to check in on yourself or check in with your coach are are really easy ways. Cause you, you as the, as the participant in the program aren't always noticing the changes. It's three or four weeks down the line where you see that coworker you haven't seen for a while, that family member you haven't seen for a while and go, Oh my God, you look fantastic. And you're thinking on the inside, I haven't lost a pound, but you've recomped and they can see that on you four weeks in or whatever the time period is. That That's one way. So we, we encourage people to do pictures, right, of themselves. These are private pictures where you can see because a week down the line, you might, God, I'm doing all this work. I'm meal prepping. I've been doing all this shopping. This really sucks. It's taking up all this time. But you see your before picture in, in one week or in a week later. And what would you reasonably expect? Not a ton, but the next week and the next week and the next week, you may be able to see some. It's, you should be able to see some physical results in that amount of time that uh, that are more tangible to you rather than some of the biofeedback stuff. So on a, on a 
uh, this is a phrase that I think people going back to the being informed and the embracing the process that they have to understanding. You just mentioned this in a different way. And that is the physiological changes are going to happen before the physical change happens. You, you're going to have to impact the physiological stuff, the up, the upregulation of your metabolism, right? The, the uh, secretion of more hormones uh, of the, the ones that are going to ha- uh, help you through this process while the other ones maybe that have been upregulated that we don't want upregulated start to dial back. These are all things that are happening internally. All of that stuff generally impacted by diet and lifestyle and obviously exercise is, a, is an important piece. Physi- physiology has to change before you're going to start seeing the physical change and you, you got to have your head wrapped around that. So as we move past that, I guess the next, our next week then is talking about what I just kind of alluded to, which is the science piece and trying to get people, people to, to maybe see that there is science involved here. There's human physiology, there's human psychology, right? There's, there's neurology that's involved here. There's all kinds of stuff in this adaptation process as we're trying to adapt to a new, new, uh, maybe we can talk about that. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, the science piece is pretty much like sleep and stress management, which what I like to um, explain to people, it's like the base, the foundation of health. Right. So you could have like the perfect diet, you could have the perfect exercise routine. um, But if your sleep and your stress management isn't in place, that's going to be a big hindrance in results. You are not likely to see the results that you are going for uh, because that's where recovery happens. Right. And if we don't have recovery, we don't have results. Yes. Yeah. So boom, boom. The 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 adding up or because this is piling on of all the things that are kind of going on in life and stress is not a bad thing it's a very natural thing right it's the amount of stress we expose ourselves to both internally and externally uh it's that cumulative stress that build up right that stacking up that we need to be aware of and no matter what your situation is how positive it is you know uh uh, in or and or how negative it is, everybody is going to have to deal with this. They're going to have a low. Everyone kind of has low grade stress consistently, right? Back in the day, it was like, oh, a tiger came at me. I was like, oh, right. turn, ran, and I was like, okay, I'm good. Now it's like, you know, my boss is calling me. I've got work. I've got kids. My wife, A, B, C, and D, whatever right. it is for you, that's constantly eating at you. It's going to have a huge play on your cortisol, muscle growth, all of that. Yeah, and that, in both situations, it's the same cortisol response, yeah, and that's what I explain to people. Any stress, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah expand on emotional. that. Yeah, so I, you know, so like you guys said, there's always going to be stress, right? There's a natural ebb and flow to our cortisol. Um, however, if you know, there's that constant work stress, family stress, all that, all that undealt with stress that's piling on and is chronically elevated, your cortisol is then going to be chronically elevated, right? And so we need elevated cortisol every once in a while, but we also need it to come back down if we ever want to recover. So instead of, you know, what I, how I like to describe it is, you know, instead of letting your cortisol ebb and flow up here, we want it ebbing and flowing down here Um, because then there's no, there's no recovery. You're constantly in fight or flight. Your body's constantly on the edge of its seat. Like, okay, what do we, what do we need to run from? Um, And then, yeah, there's no relaxation. There's no time for your body to relax and go, okay, cool. We can let all these other processes in our body, you know, go down. Uh, so that's kind of how I like to describe it to people when it comes to the importance of, hey, really take a look at the stress in your life. Is it re- is it like impacting you every single day or do you have moments where you actually like feel at peace? You feel like you can rest and you can recover and, you know, you feel peaceful inside, I guess. Your four days of exercising at, you know, level 100, right? You're under feeding yourself by 800 calories. You're not sleeping, you know, 
six to eight hours a night. I'm going to say six is on the bare minimum side of things, sure. right? And this is what we, this is sort of what we know through science now too. We just know people do better when they get closer to eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, you're, you're not doing that now. Take work, life stress that's going on, take relationship stress that's going on. Uh, and then take the pressure that you're just putting on yourself for not being good enough, right? Or not doing the things that you think or you should be doing in the way that you should be doing them. And then couple that with any of the bullshit that you're exposing yourself to throughout the day through, I don't know, social media, the news, whatever, it's these negative conversations and whatever else, what that adds up to is recovery debt. And if you are not repaying that bank account with down regulation, right? And that could come through calories that could come through increasing your calories, increasing your macronutrients, increasing your micronutrients that could come from, uh, Downregulating how much exercise you do. Maybe you should be exercising less, right? And taking more time off, right? right? That could be, uh, again, practicing new sleep and stress management protocols. It's doing all kinds of stuff, shutting phones down if that's what it is, planning time with the family so that, you know, it's not stressful time. We're not running running around. It, it, it's maybe doing less things socially, right? So you're not feeling like you're being pulled into those things. This is is a large part of nutrition coaching. And it's a huge part of this conversation we're having right now. And it's a large part of, uh, of what the fuel university program is in getting people to just be aware of this. What are the things in your life that are contributing to your recovery debt? Right. And how can you change those? But what's really important to understand is look, life happens and we have responsibilities. So you have to understand your non-negotiables that came back, that goes back to like that, that intake or that history piece. Like what are the things you're absolutely not willing to give up? Let's understand what those are so that we can make accommodations down the line. And so when we get into the science piece, you're talking about the stress and the recovery piece. Like we have to understand what those are, how they impact us. And we might, they might've been a non-negotiable in week one, but by week six, people are like, dude, this is, this is, this is the reason like, this is the reason I drinking too much, mm -hmm. you know, like drinking four nights a week is killing my sleep because I'm, it's killing my sleep. It's killing my workouts. It's wrecking my motivation. Like, and I know, um, you know, those aren't the calories that I need to be eating or whatever else. Like they start to recognize like the, well, I'm not going to give up my, my three glasses of wine a week, which is usually six glasses of wine, you know, or whatever it is like, but understand what that is, you know, understand what those non-negotiables are because they're going to show up. And when it starts getting hard, like you start that recovery debt is piled up and maybe you've not managed it correctly. You said it earlier, uh, Taylor, and that is uh, go back to the history piece, go back to that shit you wrote down in week one, because I guarantee you it's showing up again now and you haven't made the change mm -hmm. that you need, you need to make. I don't know. Are there any other things that happen for you, like with your clients or examples you want to provide with regard to like what happens in that kind of that stress and sleep management section? What kind of tools are available for them that you provide them or that they can use? Uh, well, so there's like a whole list of just kind of like uh, meditative practices and like things that they can do um, mentally when it comes to stress management. You know, my biggest thing when I because I, I, a lot of the times I get people who come in, um, you know, yes, if they are working out too much and they're under eating by too much, that's going to be the first thing that we go after. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've had who work out six, seven days a week. And I'm like, OK, you're not eating for that. So we either need to, you know, reverse diet you up yep. to that. Or you need to give me an active recovery day or you need to give me one or two rest days. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden things start falling into place. Right. Um, but, you know, more often than not, I get people who are just constantly stressed about work or they're constantly stressed about something. Um, and there's a lot of different things that we can do, you know. 
journaling, mindfulness, meditation, um, because, you know, there's controllables and there's non-controllables that, you know, that this is kind of how I lay it out for people. Um, the controllables, how do we how do we face those? How can we fix those so that they're not causing as much stress as they're causing you? The non-controllables, okay, how do we manage how we react to those stressors right there? Um, so yeah, you're right. There's multiple different ways that stress can come in and for us to be able to release it. But um, yeah, more specifically on like the mindset piece, there's a ton of different things that we can do based on the type of stress that's coming into your life. Yeah, so important because it's never just about the food. Mm-hmm. Right. It's never all about the food that we eat. There's the 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 things that we're feeling like from a stress management perspective absolutely impact our behaviors on how we eat, what we eat, when we eat. And obviously we know the ramifications of not doing that consistently. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Right. That's mm-hmm. why we're having this this conversation. So it's you know, it might sound weird to people. No, man, all I want you to do is give me the caloric prescription, keep managing my macros week to week. Am I losing weight? Am I not losing losing weight? Look, any coach quote unquote coach can do that. That's not coaching. And that's not reality for most people. Cause if it was, then everybody would be at their goal weight. Like everybody's just all you just still. Do you know how many apps there are for that? Uh, there's a million of them. What <laughs> okay. there isn't an app for all the it, clients that come in, use it too. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a ton of apps out there that can be useful tools, right. in understanding the bigger picture. And we use some of those tools. Like we, we, I mean, I like I like my fitness pal because it gives me access. It, it, it integrates directly with our with our um, the our online app that we have. So I can see all of your stuff right in front of me right now. Like I can see what you're doing. It's not there for me to nitpick and tell you how mm-hmm. shitty you're doing or, or that you're not meeting your goals. It's for me to have a better understanding and a better connection with you with what are the things that you're challenged with so that we can make the adjustments right to the behaviors or the exercise or the caloric intake throughout the week and throughout the month. And we don't do this forever. Some people love to, I mean, Jeff, you've been pretty candid about you track everything all the time. Dude, I'm, I'm an under eater and I have a hard time eating. I got to wake up and eat a meal first thing just to make sure if my first meal is at 10 or 11, I'm not hitting my calorie right. goals. Just Period. Bottom it's, done. Line. it's not yeah. happening. So you have to, so you can either throw your hands up for the rest of the day yeah. or we can figure out a way to manage through this. Cause maybe that's the thing. Maybe, all right, well, maybe I'm not going to eat till 10. So how do we manage yeah. through this. And it's all about making those small changes that work for that individual's life. I can't just be like, oh, well, this is what I did and it worked for me. So you go ahead and here you do it. Right. You find the small changes, the small adjustments that work for that person's life, because everybody at the end of the day probably has 10 plus things that they need to work on. As a coach, I'm here to help you prioritize. And how do we make it work for your life rather than make you feel like, oh, this is a chore and like, I have to do this every single day because I know it's good for me. No. How do we make it a habit that's become subconscious? Right. And once a, once a person or participant in a program sort of acknowledges and confronts that, it becomes that much easier. It doesn't mean they're going to be perfect at it. But having, again, these somebody in your corner to help you manage through this process sort of in the beginning stages can save you so much time, so much aggravation and put you back on the right track when you don't maybe realize you're getting off track or for the reasons that you are, which then sets you up. Now you have experience. Now, now we can call this wisdom. Now, now I don't just have the knowledge mm-hmm. of how I'm feeling, but I have the wisdom in how I can deal or how I've dealt with that in the past and what's worked and what hasn't as compared to my previous past before maybe working through, uh, you know, a coaching program or something else. So now I can start to put these things together to understand the formula that works, works specifically for me. And so speaking of formulas, as we're going, going down the path here, all of this stuff kind of works out to, well, shit, how do I manage this every day of my life for the rest of my life? Right. This sounds very daunting. 
it will be if that's the way you if that's the your outlook on it. It will be very daunting, right? But if you step back and you go, how do I how do I make make these habits this my lifestyle? And so one of the concepts that, that we mentioned earlier was this concept of periodization, and I don't think it's talked about enough in uh, in uh, the nutrition world or nutrition coaching world. We talk about it all the time in fitness and in in exercise programming. And effectively, we know that for certain periods of time, you can be working on some very focused things. You know, maybe you're going through like a hypertrophy phase. My goal is some muscle growth. I'm going to do that for two to three months. It could be shorter. Uh, It could be longer, but generally two to three months, you know, eight to 12 weeks here. And then after that, I've sort of primed myself for more of a strength phase. All right. So then I spend two to three months in more of a strength phase. My volume changes, my intensity changes, maybe my exercise selection changes. Um, my frequency might change, uh, frequency of workouts or rest times or whatever. I might be adding in some different modalities that I wasn't in there before. And then I move maybe into more of a power phase. Now things change dramatically. You know, now my volume goes way down, but my intensity goes way up or, or, or whatever the, the case might be. And then I go through like a recovery phase, maybe a deload. Right. And I could be deloading in between. There's all these different phases within the exercise program that make sense so that we're managing the recovery. Right. And maximizing the uh, the effect of the work that we're putting in. It's the same in nutrition. Yep. And going back to the exercise program, if that's the way you're managing your exercise program, then your nutrition Damn it. That should be periodized, too, because if you're doing the same thing and expecting to 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 maximize your hypertrophy, your strength, your power, you know, your endurance or recovery phases or whatnot, you're not managing that nutrition along the way in the same type of way. You're 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 not going to be ultimately successful. You're doing yourself a disservice there. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about, like, how do you manage the concept of, you know, nutrition periodization? Yeah. So, I mean, how I like to put it, because for the average person, when it comes to periodization, Periodize around your life, right? So, um, look at a calendar, January to December. Where where are the big events? Where are the like the vacations? Where are the times where you know, okay, I'm not going to track during this period. Um, I have this goal by the end of the year. Okay, great. How do we periodize for you so you have a a deficit in certain parts of the year, and then you've got a diet break? You have like a strategically placed diet break or a maintenance phase for when you are on vacation, or you know you want this deficit phase to be successful for this wedding that you're going to. So, how do we break it down? and create uh, little cycles for you so that you can get to where you want to be at certain points of the year or so that you can manage your long-term goal throughout the entire year while not being antisocial and pulling out of events just because you're like, no, 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 sorry, guys, I'm tracking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we hear that a lot. Like, it's miserable. I don't want to, I, you know, I'm not going to go to the birthday party because I'm going to eat cake. Fucking eat cake. Yeah. Well, let's, want- just, let's just plan for <laughs> it. Like, do you want to track that cake and just be like, hey, okay, there's my calories and just... Yeah. Bring your scales or, or don't party. track for that day. Jump back, jump back into it. And then tracking the following day. It's okay it's to do those things. Yeah. ruin you. Mm-hmm. But we're not having cake every week. You know, we're not having it every day. We're not having it multiple times a week, whatever. And I use the cake analogy. It's a little dumb, but maybe not because cake could be eating out with your friends or eating out with your family more free. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say too frequently, because if your goal is to find caloric maintenance, whatever, and you're eating out all the time, you're going to have a tougher time than the person that's cooking at home, which is, again, that's, that's a personal choice that you're going to need to make, but you're going to have way more sort of control and consistency when you're doing it that way, meal prepping, or even going through some type of more, you know, controlled meal prep type of uh, company or, or somebody that you're you're reaching out to. Mm -hmm. But going back to the periodization, here's what the periodization tends to look like. Tell me if I'm wrong. So 
let's just start the period uh, or let's just talk about a year. Right, a one calendar year, and we'll start at January first. What's generally happening January first? Okay. Well, people have come, people, <laughs> new year, new me. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking summertime coming. Oh. <laughs> right. So, so, the the typical average Joe right comes in, and it's just like you know, fitness is fitness is is a different animal, man. You know, the first of the year, people are like, okay, fuck. You know, I just spent the last since Thanksgiving to Christmas, I put on like ten pounds. I need to get my shit back together. So they get back into the gym, right? And you see the typical, well, I'm just choosing a program that's convenient that I can afford that Susie over there lost 10 pounds doing this program. So that's the one I'm signing up for too. Those are the types of uh, sort of emotional uh, decision-making processes that we see people going through. There's no plan. It's just, I know I need to exercise and I know I need to, to change. So the easiest thing they can do is get them, get back involved in some kind of exercise or go sign up for some membership somewhere, or some program. Generally speaking, not a lot of thought into that goes into that about the longer term. And that's why the fitness industry sees such a high amount of new, uh, sorry, attrition in the first, you know, two to three months of, of the year. Cause people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing it. But there was no plan and they signed up for something, but it was in a lot of times it was the wrong, wrong thing for them. Cause it wasn't planned. It wasn't assessed. And anyway, long story short, it's the same with nutrition. So, all right, all the cookies, the pie, the holiday foods, the, all the, the social gatherings, those all kind of come to a close. So I'm going to start to do things. And to the point that was made earlier, they were already under eating going into the <laughs> going into the holiday season or whatever it is that two months before. Then they started to move into a surplus and they did it very fast. It wasn't the 150 to 200 or the 100 to 150 calories a day for maybe a week at a time. It was they're going ham like right away. It's the holiday party. They just put down an extra thousand calories. Yep. How does the body respond to that? Not favorably, <laughs> right? So that's why you see the fat Energy gain. storage. <laughs> that's why you see the fat gain, right? So now they're in a surplus and they've been in a surplus, but their macronutrient profiles are generally jacked up, right? Again, a lot of alcohol, a lot of maybe their, their carbohydrate number is way out of whack, whatever the case, fat intake, all that kind of stuff. But they're sitting in the in the month of January and they're already knowing I should be not drinking as much, right? I should probably not be eating these things anymore. They're not as available as they were to me before. So now I start to move back towards whatever that original number was. Now, maybe the extra 500 calories a day they were getting got them up and above maintenance. Maybe they put on some weight, but now they go the exact opposite extreme and they take it all out again. And what happens? They downregulate all over again. They start downregulating. And often if you've in, entered into an exercise program, you're going to start to see some weight loss and validated. This is working, right? I'm losing weight. See, I knew it, right? And that happens for about six, four, six, maybe eight weeks. And then what happens? Because everything's downregulating, you're continuing to exercise. You stop seeing that weight loss or that, that result. Here's the point. Then it starts into this all, this whole Poor behaviors, poor decision making. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this crash diet. I'm gonna do this juice cleanse. I'm gonna do this fucking <laughs> diarrhea tea. I'm gonna do all of these things to try and get off, get out of this situation that I've created myself in. And they're, they've jumped right from the frying pan back into the fire. Imagine if, going back to Jeff's point, right? He looked at January as his bulking phase, right? And he's starting to, he's not cutting back. He's continuing to add on. He's lifting heavier. It's cold right? outside. I got a sweatshirt on. Right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's lifting heavier from a diet perspective. Look, you've already been eating up. Treat the holidays as your bulk. Eat up. 
Right. Especially knowing that to your point, Taylor, earlier, like you got this vacation coming up, you've got this thing you're, you're trying to do. There's this period of time during the year where you want to maybe quote unquote cut or lose, lose some body fat or go into a deficit that's coming. Let's plan for it. Mm-hmm. Let's put some periods together in our nutrition program where we see it out in front of us and we can plan for it where we stay at maintenance or we're above maintenance for certain periods of time we drop below maintenance for, for periods of time. So we're not going back to a, uh, uh, excuse me, a reverse diet. We're going through a bulk phase, which is eating in a surplus. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we go into a recovery diet, which would be coming out of the deficit mm-hmm. that was planned for us the entire time. We know what our numbers are supposed to be or our macronutrients should be, should be. It plays into our lifestyle. It plays into our vacation. We know we're going to feel a little shitty when we go into the deficit, but we also know it's not going to be for too long. And once we start feeling a little bit like, eh, I'm not feeling so great, I'm not recovering, guess what? We start to put the calories back in. People live like this. So the people that are living, they're listening on, oh God, like I would love that, you know, like to, to know what I was doing was working for me and I could constantly ebb and flow, as you said, through these cortisol patterns, through the ups and the downs of the calories. That isn't how people approach it. It just isn't. It's very black and white. It's like January 1st, no sweets, no alcohol, nothing. Deprive themselves and then binge like a couple of weeks later, right? So whereas instead, like you're saying, it's like if they came at it at a calculated approach and, okay, this is my deficit period. They understand that, hey, as long as I'm in a deficit, I'm hitting my calories and my protein. I can still enjoy, you know, cake once in a while. Um, I can take my diet breaks and everything like that. And then, for example, you know. March, April, you know, let's just like say, for example, they're doing an eight week deficit phase. It's all they need. Um, And then this way in May, they can work on um, their recovery diet back into maintenance and then be in maintenance over the summer at the body weight that they wanted to be at. And it's way more calculated on top of the fact that it's a lot better for your body composition than if you were like, I'm going to crash diet in May. So by June, I'm good to go. Right. You can't if you're starting this process, though, in January, expecting you to be good in June. It's a long time. That is, you got lots of time to do a lot of work, but if you've been severely under eating, you know, yeah. up until that point and you're in that, again, that metabolic adaptation hole, you're on the downside of it. You, you can make a lot of progress in six months. There's that is for sure. But to be operating at your optimal level by that amount of time is not really rooted in a lot of good logic and, and or reality. Uh, this, this is a longer term process, but if you, the other part of this is, and we've talked about this on other podcasts before, is like this tracking and this understanding of finding balance. Like you start out and, and you, you you get this strong understanding of where you are, you know, from a macros perspective, maybe from a caloric intake perspective, how the things affect you, what types of foods work well for you versus what type, types don't based on the exercises you're doing, all this other kind of stuff. You do this long enough. You don't have to be glued to the MyFitnessPal or the exercise tracker or whatever. There still needs to be some checking in. I think it's always good for people to go back and have some accountability through those things. But this is something you can start to manage on your own. And when you feel like you're going off track, now you have the tools, right, to go back to and go, wait, 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 wait. Like, I'm, I'm gaining more fat than I want to be gaining here. What am I doing? And you've got this baseline to be able to, to revert back to because you have this education about yourself and you're not reaching for somebody's you know, program. It's your program, Mm -hmm. not the fucking 30 day challenge that I see people doing. That is not what fuel you is. It is not a 30 day challenge. We didn't crack the fucking code on 30 day challenges. What we're talking about doing is giving you 30 days to help you start down the right path of figuring your shit out. Right. And, and understanding what works for you, not how much weight can you lose? Right. 
how do you put yourself in the best position to lose as much, gain as much, maintain as much, uh, and be happy and healthy and vibrant, uh, you know, along the way. And that plays, I think, more into the last week and the last section, which we call the psychology section, which would be, again, we've gone through math or excuse me, history, math, science. Now we're in the psychology, which can be the toughest part for most people because this is a lifestyle. It's not a 30 to anybody can do anything for 30 days. It's also hard. Like you're talking about uh, the mindset. It's very hard to tell a woman like you might not ever have a visible six pack. And to be honest with you, that low of a body fat just isn't healthy for you. They're kind of like, wait, what? I, I want to like all these actresses have six packs and right. it's, it's a hard conversation, right? A bunch of the women that I know that compete don't have periods. Yep. Is that healthy? No, maybe, right. maybe not. Right. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to say no. Yeah. They, you know, I, I'm going to say that too. I mean, when you're at a certain age, obviously, yeah. but, but uh, yeah, the younger women, you know, that are, mm. and it's taking them a while to even come back and have kids. Like, you know, they want to have a kid and the doctor's like, dude, you need to, you need to up your body fat. You need to you know, stop working out so much and get back to a normal hormonal level. Right. So uh, like wrapping health, around that. Yeah. Yeah. The health and wellness piece doesn't, it, it sometimes clashes with the aesthetics piece that a lot of people tend to come in with their heads wrapped around. Um, and then that's a really tough part about psychology is, you know, we have to figure out how do we make these two pieces work together. together. My biggest thing is like, I want you to look good, but I want you to feel good too. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just good did balance. a pot. We just did a podcast on weight loss after pregnancy. And uh, one of the first things, you know, in there in, in the guide that we, that uh, we wrote for that was making sure that you're in a solid mental and emotional health state, like psychologically, are you, is this the right time for this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, when we get into the psychology component, it, this is very important because Jeff, you just call out some, we have to look at what the reality is. Like, what is the reality of your situation? And you may not picking out a picture in a book again, or a magazine or an Instagram say, I want to look like that. Um, 99% of the time is not realistic for most people. Like we, let's go down the journey and let's see where we are and two months and let's reevaluate and then we'll go another two months and then we'll reevaluate and we'll kind of see through this journey what makes sense. And I've heard you say this a million times, you know, Taylor is like clients come in and they have this like vision or this visual picture of what they want to kind of look like in their head. And I think that's important. It keeps them motivated and gives them some direction, but then they recognize like a few weeks down the road, like in maybe even a couple months down the road, how little importance that actually plays in the bigger picture because they feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. And when they feel good, and again, this is a, this is the feelings are not just this sense of, you know, well-being, but there is a, there is an actual physiological well-being that's happening. Hormones are maybe a little bit more balanced because they're eating their, the right amount of calories, right? They're not overtraining. They're getting sleep. They're waking up. That cortisol response is, is more managed um, on a, on a, on an even keel level rather than the peaks and the valleys, which cortisol waking will do. At, waking up at 3 a.m. Like, Ooh, ready to right. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, going to sleep may not be a problem for you, but for a long time, staying asleep was, was an issue for me. And it had everything to do with my lifestyle. You know, at the time I clean that shit up when I sleep like a baby, right? Like it's when I don't, sleep, I immediately look at myself and go, what am I not doing that's contributing to me not sleeping? It's not, what do I need to add to the plate? Exactly. It's generally, what do I need to take away? Just looking at the metrics and being like, what, where am I missing here to have this come back? Right? So the metrics are so important. And again, people get afraid of that. And I've heard, I hear people, this philosophy of, well, people don't need to measure. They don't need to track. Well, 
I have a problem with that because if you don't understand where you are, how do you know where you're going? Unconscious incompetence. Yeah, I, yep. I think that's, I, I have a problem with that. Not not everybody needs to track forever, no, right? And I think certain people need to track less and some people need to track more. But to, to, but to say, oh, you should be able to do this without tracking, I got to be honest. I, I'm going to be real blunt here. I've been doing this for a long time and I have not seen that philosophy play out well or that methodology, sorry, play out well for the majority of people. At least not in the long term. No, not for the long term. In the short term, maybe, but not in the long term, because when the going gets tough or when a curveball gets thrown at you, where do you go from there? You're just going on feel. You're driving by Braille. And I don't think that that's a solid plan for long term success. And again, there is no perfect number or metric, but understanding what yours are. I think are really important Just a ballpark range. right? So going back to the psychology piece is getting your head a little bit around that and understanding why those things are important. Not that they have to run your life, mm-hmm. but those things are important. And they put the coach in a really solid position to be able to help to, to help you toggle the switches, twist the dials. Right. Um, and that's not what coaching is. It's not always toggling switches and twisting dials. It's teaching people how to go to the right dial for them and play with that dial or that switch in order to make the impact that they're trying to make. It's leading the horse to water, right? Yep. And we're hoping to make them very, very thirsty. <laughs> I, 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 like I can't make you drink the water and I'm certainly not going to hold your head under the water to make you drink it, right? But I hope that you get so thirsty that you want to drink it. And then that just, that, that puts us in a much better, much better position. But there's a few things that go on in the psychology PC. It's understanding what's realistic for you, what isn't, what's worked for you in the past, what you need to be doing now. We talked about metabolic adaptation, periodization. We we start to co- cover these things in a way that I think is, for lack of a better term, very digestible for the average person to get. Um, and very, very uh, telling for people that have had a lot of maybe a lot of experience in their own diet history and worked in other programs where it's been all macro prescription or all caloric prescription. They've just been getting managed week to week with numbers. I think they, they, they can pull a lot out of it. But there's other things that go into the psychology piece. Yeah. So there's habits, there's habit forming as well. So there's kind of a whole piece in there where it uh, basically just like takes them through the process of creating habits. Does this work for your life? Okay. Yes. There's 10 to 20 things that we could probably be working on. How do we prioritize and work on one or two at a time? Boom. Those are set. Those become subconscious. What are the next ones that we need to work on? Because habit forming is huge. That's another key to long-term success. Mm -hmm. Um, The other key point in that last week is, is just mindset because motivation isn't going to last forever, right? Day one of those three months, you know, they're super motivated. Exactly. You're going to hit a wall. There's going to be days where you're like, Oh my God, I don't feel like doing this. Or, you know, the tracking feels like a chore. Um, And then there's that intrinsic drive. Like what is, what is driving you to do this so that you can take care of yourself, see those long-term goals. What is it like in the back of your mind? That's going to, you know, help you keep going even when motivation is like gone. But another important piece there that I like to make sure that people understand is that there's also a fine line between lack of motivation and burnout. Yep. Do you need a break or are you just, are you just, is your motivation just dwindling? Yeah. And knowing when, when you're feeling that coming, or at least knowing how to take a step back and reexamine, like, Mm -hmm. is this a time where I just need to kind of step away from this? Not forever, but for now and have a plan to step away. And these are the things I'm going to do while I'm doing that. And then not making random willy nilly sort of decisions, but they're, they're, they're informative decisions, right? They're based in rational rationale. 
And that's what you're trying to give this client along the way, or we're trying to give them through the program is a rationale for why they're doing or why they could be and should be doing what we're, what we're, we're presenting to them. It's not reinventing the wheel. Like nothing that we've put in there is proprietary information, but there are tools within this, within this, these programs that we found to be really successful. We've sort of like taken all the best of the things that we've learned and all the worst of the things that we've learned. And we've tried to carve through and how do we pull it out and make it presented in a way that people can do it kind of on their own, on their own time. Right. And they can, in a sense, choose their own adventure. Uh, Cause I think that's important. If you, if you lock them into this, uh, we've said, this is kind of a 30 day, four week program. We find the people that get the most success, they'll really focus and kind of hunker down in that first 30 days. And what, what they're seeing in that first 30 days of that, that fuel you program or when they're working with their coach, it's different, you know, with, with the working with their coach they are getting, you know, biweekly, you know, uh, meetings where they get to sit down, but there's constant checks, there's weekly check-ins that are happening. And that's happening through, um, you know, basically through messaging systems and we're exchanging information. The coach is able to see what's happening uh, through our through our um, through our Red Dot Fitness app for, with with regard to tracking habits are in there. Their exercise program, so their 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 fitness coach or them if they're managing it can put in all of their their workouts if they're not already pre programmed for them. So they're logging and they can be tracking. They can be seeing some some results happening in front of them. But more than more than more important than that, it's having it there to refer back to or reference back to when we're trying to problem solve and, and continue to move the dial in the right, the right direction. Um, on the fuel use side of things, you know, what they'll see, uh, which is a little bit different. Again, you can have access to kind of all of those same things, just in a little bit different way. You're just kind of doing it for yourself. So as you're sitting there and you're going through, we we, we provide uh, multiple video presentations as well as a workbook for the, what we call the fuel use student that has practical application of all the things that we've just talked about. So you get to work through these problems. And when I mean problems, I mean just maybe some of the math problems, maybe some of your history issues, maybe some of your psychology issues and things on your own for you. Right. And you're going to be walked through that both through some reading material. And sometimes that reading material gets a little heavy. So we spend some time with some videos and once a day you can watch a video, do a little exercise. If you missed a day, no problem. You know, you can go back, you can always review it. Um, and then there's the ability to actually reach out to a coach here. If you're stuck or whatever, we encourage people like, Hey, get through the program a little bit before you start reaching out. Cause oftentimes you'll answer your own question or the, the program answers that question. But we've done it in a way where, again, people can choose their own adventure. It is not a stop and start, right? It is a journey. So, you know, you can you can take in this 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 information and utilize it to what works best for you in a way that makes the most sense for you. And I, again, it's not a, there's no templates. You're not going to get in there. And there's going to be meal plans. This is not what we do. Dude. What we want you to do is figure out how you should be doing that for yourself. Yeah. Everyone wants me to make a meal plan for them. And I said, I don't know what kind of food you like. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how you yeah. want to season something. Like, make all of the food the way you want it to. Usually, most of the time, burnout, they're cooking bland food. They don't really understand, like, oh, I can cook with some yeah. spice. Your food should taste good. It really shouldn't be, you know, that bad. No, I, 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 again, this is part of the journey and the process. For some people, that's the fun part, actually. Like, oh, I like to cook, you know, and I like to experiment and I like to do these things. And mm -hmm. great for other people that can't stand it and they want a little bit more of an easy button and they want meal prep. Great. Mm -hmm. 
If that fits your lifestyle, it suits you, and you like eating chicken and rice. I can eat chicken and rice, man. I I don't, uh, but, especially microwaved. Yeah, you can like you reheated. Can, you know, and I I, I only say that because it's got negative connotation. Broccoli, chicken, yeah. and rice, or whatever. I ate that shit for like six like, years. <laughs> I can't eat it anymore. I just had it like two hours. Ago. Yeah. But, Another favorite part yeah. of my job is just you know when people because you know at the very beginning I'll have them track for about a week. I won't give them any goals or anything. I say just track what you normally eat. I want to see what your day to day looks like. Um, and at our first meet, meeting, they're like, I know I shouldn't be eating this. You can, you can eat that. You can have ice cream. That's totally fine. Let's just look at your sugar intake as a whole by the end of the day. Is it crazy? Is it out of control? Then, okay, let's moderate. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to benefit them writing up a meal plan that is drastically different Mm -hmm. from their day to day. I would much rather just, okay, who are you right now? What little changes do we need to make so that we can get you to your goal, but then you're not banging your head against a wall you know, shoving more rice down your throat. Right. If you would rather be eating bread, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's different ways. Again, there's, there's different ways to bring the horse to the water. Right. And, and, that's and so the coaching, right? right. That's the coaching. And that's why eventually we kind of, we took the time over two years in the making of putting together this online program that people could come, could, could take advantage of because we recognize like there is no perfect time. So having it there, you know, when it's, when it's time for you in a way that you can, you can do it. Like maybe it's on the weekends, maybe it's one night a week, maybe, you know, it's on the, you know, on the the train on your way to work or whatever it is that you're doing out there where you can, you can take this in and learn how to do that stuff on your, on your own, but not feel like you're being pressured to do it and and have it at hand, right? Cooking, meal prepping, all of that stuff. We're not going to tell you how to cook. You're not going to get a bunch of recipes or anything like that. That's that's individual stuff, man. And whether you're, you, we started this out, whether you're a vegetarian or you're fucking carnivore, it's going to help anybody. So hopefully what people have taken away from this is basically sort of the bigger rocks that need to be focused on in order to have long-term dietary and nutrition success, understanding that it's never all about the food. And there are things that you need to, and and or the exercise, those are huge factors. They need to be balanced. We do talk about those in depth in any of our programs. And obviously here on the, on the podcast and in our YouTube videos, there's so much free content that we put out for people. They can go and get these answers, but if you want it all in one place, we have those things. And, uh, you know, hopefully this encourages people to, to maybe ask a few more questions because we love helping people. It's what we do and we've made it affordable. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.